0: From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes. Or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash round his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and the little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the people's, The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to to God. God.
1: Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. to Matthew. Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. A large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were ill. He warned them not to tell others about him. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. And a smoldering wick he will not snuff out, till he has brought justice through to victory. In his name the nations will put their hope. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O
2: Father, thank you for the words that uh, we can read from your prophets. Father, we pray that we might be open to your spirit this morning. Amen. Uh, Please turn to the Isaiah reading. I'm going to be in there for this morning's talk. Our Bible readings this morning contain incredible words, promises and prophecy that are so audacious they take your breath away. This is God who purposely gets involved with a world that is rejecting him and is close to self-destruction. Isaiah is God's ordained messenger, sent to challenge and criticise the false security and faith in Israel's society. Isaiah begs them to realise their doomed destiny. He's calling out relentlessly to Judah, begging them to beware of the impending disaster. Yet, the people, who are steeped in their religious practices and mesmerized by the glitter of their materialistic well-being, are no longer capable of realizing the false security and contradictions that shackle them and will lead them towards inevitable captivity. The end of the previous chapter has left the reader reeling. Jerusalem has has been brought low. God's judgment feels imminent and inevitable. But then chapter 11 begins with a promise of deliverance, newness and hope. God never leaves his people without a future. So, Where does this leave us at St. Matthew's? What does a prophet who lived some nearly 3,000 years ago have to say to us? Is this just a passage that comes out every Advent and it's very atmospheric and a nice idea? Or is it something that still has vital words for us? You'll be pleased and relieved to hear that that I think this has much to say to us. Prophecy as we have in the Isaiah passage here, it often seems to me has three points of reference. Firstly, it warns and gives hope to the people who first heard it. Certainly, the people of Judah needed to come back to God. Secondly, it has a purpose for us in the here and now. And thirdly, a purpose for a future hope and promise for our future. This passage from Isaiah has elements of all three in it. The first, warning and hope to God's people. The people of Judah had turned their back on God. They had accepted the worship of other gods. They had become corrupt and rebellious. They had gone so far away from God that exile to Babylon is going to happen But Isaiah is saying in this chapter that God has not forgotten them. He's not forgotten them or his promises. Isaiah is calling them back into a relationship with him. He's reaching out in love. Surely this has resonances with our own age. You only have to spend a few moments in the oracle on a Saturday afternoon to realize that worship of other gods is alive and kicking. There are many who feel their value is placed on the size of their wage packet or their ability to buy the latest technology. Isaiah is pointing out that the most important thing, actually the only important thing, is our relationship with God. In the next section, in verses 3 to 5, it's speaking very much into our age. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. And then on to verse 5. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. This, clearly, is a direct reference to the coming Messiah, still in Isaiah's future. It shows that Jesus has the ability to look into people's hearts and see what's there. It talks about the righteousness of God's age. It's a rallying call to us to ensure that as far as possible, we are living to try to ensure Justice and righteousness. In an age where people are frightened and faced with the threat of losing their homes because of bedroom tax and change to benefits for the disabled, there are challenges for churches here. In my final term at college, I spent a very short time with CCA in Reading. They were supplying basic kitchen and bedroom packs to people who had absolutely nothing. I was shocked that in this day and age, there were still people who needed this kind of basic help. I was also challenged, as when I went home, I couldn't actually fit all my linen into my linen cupboard. There is a challenge, too, as we can worry with all the gloom about unemployment and national debt. And are we, or are we not, coming out of recession? We live in an age with the promises of Jesus, who will establish judgment and righteousness. We can get swept up in thinking that governments have the last word. Isaiah is telling us to raise our eyes and remember that it is Jesus to whom we are answerable, and Jesus who has already won the battle. However difficult and worrying times are, we have a king who is coming again, And to whom every knee shall bow. Then, as we go into verses 6 to 8, there is more guidance for now and promises. The wolf will live with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the goat. This is a leap forward, the anticipation of a transformed creation. The imagery of lion and lamb is a familiar one. And because of that, we sometimes lose the radical nature of the phrase. Lions will lay down with lambs. There is a vision of reconciliation and peace here among species that have been hunter and hunted since the beginning of time. Isaiah is showing us reconciliation. It can be painful and difficult if we, as we've seen in South Africa and in Ireland. But the impossible here is made possible. Human relationships with each other, with our creation and our relationship with the poor and vulnerable, and our relationship with God, has an effect on the whole of creation. Justice is a constant theme in both the Old and New Testaments, and here it is highlighted again. Jesus himself showed that he cannot be reduced to a way for private salvation or a closed community for sacraments. Jesus was received, celebrated and eventually crucified precisely because of his message of social inclusion. He had a radical understanding of community for all. There is promise here of Jesus' judgment but that carries with it warnings for governments, institutions and for us. That our first priority should be inclusion and justice. While we tolerate injustice and exclusion, we are in a wrong relationship with God and with each other. We have a responsibility to care for the poor and vulnerable, as well as caring for creation. This was the commission for Israel, and it continues to be our commission At the risk of being accused of jumping on a bandwagon, Nelson Mandela in South Africa and Rosa Parks in the United States were people who showed us the way to peacefully ensure that the lions of government laid down with the lambs who were being oppressed. I was really impressed with the interview shown uh, recently with P.W. Clerk, the Prime Minister of South Africa, during Nelson Mandela's imprisonment. He saw that the only way forward was negotiation. Trying to suppress protest was only ever going to lead to more violence and death. This is how the kingdom breaks through when individuals and communities seek justice. It may be that we can use Advent as a time for waiting on God and asking what it is he would like us as a church and us as individuals to be doing right. Sorry, it could be doing to right some of the injustice that's going on in our world. It could feed through into our mission action plan, which was launched recently, and help to give us a vision to work for something in our own communities. When this is linked with verse 9, they will neither harm nor destroy. On all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is a promise for us that Jesus will establish a time when the powerful will no longer manipulate and exploit the vulnerable. Again, themes of justice and righteousness. Deep, radical, limitless transformation in which there will be no need for domination or brutal control of others. There will be security and well-being for everybody. In Israel, earlier kings have been condemned or praised for their understanding and for their ability to discriminate between good and evil. In Kings, in Samuel, and again in Isaiah, we're reminded that failure to seek justice for all leads to death. Isaiah is anticipating a new time when the whole created order will be restored. This is a vision for the future but it has implications for us. In our own time, this breaking through of kingdom values happens because of the cross. The cross changed everything. The whole of history pivots on that moment. Creation's history is changed by Jesus, who didn't come to us as a powerful soldier. He came in gentleness and peace. Paul in Romans and and again in Revelation both pick up these ideas. We live in a time when Jesus has already won the battle, but his kingdom is not yet fully established. We live in the tension of the now, but the not quite yet. In this week's local paper, there were stories of attacks on the innocent. A teenage girl and a young man both attacked because of their perceived vulnerability. A worker accused of viewing child pornography. A man found dead after some time, surrounded by bottles of vodka, and he had serious mental health problems. We're certainly not yet in the age of Christ's second coming. But in the same paper, there were reports of artists giving freely of their time to benefit a local community. Bikers wearing Santa costumes and delivering toys to children in care. A legal firm raising funds for charity. There are signs of the kingdom breaking through, of a world where people freely give to others. And we too can be part of that. At a leader's breakfast this week, we heard about 250 children in Reading awaiting foster families of a soup kitchen that needs more volunteers to open so that it can help the homeless and of our local young people leaving schools without reading and writing skills there are a million ways to become involved it may sound <clears throat> like i'm delivering a message of spending ad- of being active and involved and i am but it is also a message of spending advent preparing and waiting on Christ. The only way we can draw sustenance for the work that Christ has for us and to know how the Holy Spirit wants us to move forward is in spending time with God in his word and in prayer. Advent is a time of waiting in anticipation, taking time to withdraw and spending time with Jesus. It's the only way we can sustain our vision and passion and our faith in this world. It is in withdrawing that we will receive the strength to keep going and receive the wisdom and the grace to understand. It is possible to draw comparisons from the world of Isaiah and now. We too live in a world that is confused and frightened, constantly chasing the next big idea – the next big wage packet. Our country is one where there is exclusion and injustice for many. Materialistic well-being is not a new religion. It's been around a very long time. The people in Isaiah's time believed that they would be saved by their birthright as God's people. And today we see liberal and quasi-religious ideas that people think will help them and save them we are not so different in our age but we do have the promises of jesus my prayer is that we all find the time and space to seek god's will forward for saint matthews so that we can be part of bringing god's kingdom to reading amen